Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, your Thursday night safe space tonight, taking place on a Wednesday night with Thursday night footy back. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We did say it was going to be Tuesday. It is Wednesday. Hope we haven't confused too many of you. And uh, well done to those of you who are joining us and not watching the Rugby League. Um, and join us the next hour or so as we chat uh, all things about the Hawthorne Football Club. Joining me as they do most weeks is uh, my various co-hosts. No Danny Prince tonight, uh, but uh, starting with Andrew Weiss. Hello, Andrew. G'day, Ash. And it's, uh, it's one of those nights for everyone. It's like going to a group personal training session, but it's so bloody cold that no one turns up and, and you get more of a nice little intimate session with your trainer. I feel like that's, you know, that's what the lucky few that have joined in tonight are going to get. So uh, it should be good. Yes, hopefully everyone will be listening on a podcast instead later on. Hello, Darren. Hi, all. I'm dialing in from Entrecot for this one, so I feel very privileged. <laughs> How's we the would reception have... desk? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, uh, it's seen better days, to be honest. Um, <laughs> needs, a, needs a bit of a polish. We would have had a lot more people on if you hadn't been there. <laughs> this show would be this, this show would actually be really really good if you weren't here that night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep the object jokes coming all evening, everybody. Uh, we will, and we were actually going to talk a little bit about uh, about the days a bit later on. I think uh, it's too good a subject not to ignore. That the voice you heard before was Brad Cordancy. Hello, Brad. Evening, all. Great to be here once again. And uh, Simon Morowitz. Hello, Simon. Evening, everyone. All right. We'll get into it. Just a little bit of housekeeping to start with. We're going to um, our last one for a fortnight. We're going to take with all on the bye next week. We're going to have a bye week as well. Our player review will appear after the Frio game, but then uh, we're going to have a week off and uh, gather our thoughts. There will be plenty of content on the Substack, though. We're not totally going away, but uh, the Spaces is having a week off next week, like the Hawks. Um, let's get into it. Saturday or Sunday afternoon at the MCG at the unusual time of 2.10pm. Uh, Hawthorne went down by four points to Collingwood, 10.868 to 10.1272. Um, here on the spaces, we like to break Sam Mitchell's um, 24-hour rule and uh, just revisit it ever so briefly. It was a riveting game. Hawthorne, ordinary first half, great second half, probably either ran out of puff or couldn't get the game back on their terms in the last 10, 12 minutes, and there was a bit of a feeling of inevitability about it all as the uh, Pies kicked the last two goals to win the game. You sort of think that had uh, Wingard, uh, one of Wingard and McDonald and someone else, I can't remember, kicked one of those goals to put Hawthorne two and a big goals in front, they probably would have held on to win the game. But uh, I'm not sure too many people were disappointed, although someone here might be taking the contrary position before too long. So we'll get to that very shortly. Let's start with the good. Um, Weezy. Yeah, well, it's always nice to be able to come on when there are a lot of good things to talk about. And, you know, you mentioned how poor the first half was, how much better it was in the second. There was plenty of good stuff, in my opinion, to take out of the game, starting with the very, 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 very good, and that's Jai Newcomb. Uh, his second half especially was absolutely incredible. Um, and I don't think there's a Hawthorne supporter around that hasn't just been on this giant Newcomb wave uh, that is, you know, if there's one thing that we don't take out of this season and, and ride on, it's the giant Newcomb wave and that's chugging along beautifully. He was awesome. Blake Hardwick's game down back. First time we've heard Sammy Mitchell really um, point someone out in a press conference, which, you know, highlights just how important a game, important a role he played. Mitch Lewis, um, when he got going and he brought that confidence and swagger into his game and was crashing through with the ball and confident to leap up and take players on it was just a sight to see and um has all the makings of uh us having a gun key forward for a long time so that was very good a couple of other um just to reel off the tweaking game plan from sammy mitchell after second half um brad would no doubt 
um, say that actually it's got more to do with the rain than it does with anything else. But clearly there are a few things done that made a difference. Connor Nash's game, loved it. Um, and, and to see that game and then follow it up with, um, I think it was that Smorganism who shared the original um, article um, but the Connor Nash article doing the rounds during the week was just one of the best reads for a very long time. His game in the guts was magnificent. And then just one, one more, sorry, I, I could be here all night. Um, one more special mention to Kyle Hardigan. Um, I thought the game that he played was magnificent. Uh, coming in for DGB, it really... Um, shake things up in terms of selection for this weekend um, and and selection in the second half of the year because we just looked more solid. It looked like we had uh, um, uh, a a bulk hero down back that we haven't necessarily had this year. And, um, yeah, I, I thought that he was one of the very, very good things to come out of the game as well. So they're just a selection of the goods. There's there's the bad. Yeah, so I guess not. You know, you know, having two absolute club champions in Liam Shields and Luke Bruce celebrating their two fiftieths and not finishing the game with a win was a bit disappointing. Um, and I guess that a lot of that had to do with really us playing one great quarter, and and the other the other three were just especially the, the, the first half, was, was pretty poor. Um, I think the conditions, the rain actually really suited us. And, and again, I'm with Weesey. I'm not sure whether it was a tweak in game style or just those conditions sort of suited the bash and crash players that we have in the team. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was really just one good quarter. Uh, Darcy Cameron having his probably best game ever. Um, really relying again on the heroics of people in our back line, Blake Hardwick, James Sicily, the usual suspects. Um, really not – I think the most disappointing part is we've now been on the receiving end of um, another close loss and we're not really taking those opportunities to finish off the game. And that's a, probably an experience thing and um, something that, 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 that just inexperienced sides tend to do sometimes. And I think their senior players really stood up in that last quarter. Um, and then I think Jack Gunston was was a real disappointment. I, I, I don't think he was 100% in that second half and he really didn't show much in the first half either. So, again, another game where I felt he was rushed back from injury and he, he, he was, was like playing with a, one less player really for most of the game. Brad, anything to add to that? Brad. Sorry, guys. Uh, yep, Daz has basically covered everything off uh, what I was going to say. The biggest disappointment for me was last week we had an absolute shocker against Gold Coast Suns. We had two club champions playing their 250th games this week and that first quarter was probably the worst quarter we played all uh, year, in my opinion. You could tell straight away two minutes in, Darcy Cameron took a few marks on the wing. We couldn't get our hands on the ball. They just didn't come uh, to play. And that, to me, was the most disappointing thing because we had two champions of our team after what we dished up last week. And to put that performance up was just terrible. And I agree with Daz. I know uh, uh, Weesey thinks Sammy might have changed things up. But had that rain not come, we ain't getting close in that game. So, yeah, I'm with Daz. Overall, very disappointing game. Well, I, I feel like we should finish off with a couple more positives, though, Ash, because, I, I mean, I have more positives to take out of the game. And, you know, they mentioned Bruce's 250th uh, and Shields's 250th. Shields played a really decent game. Um, so uh, to see him contribute the way he did, uh, I thought was really positive uh, and... The other one, Sam Butler, uh, what we got out of Sam Butler on the weekend, I think it was his best game for the season. He had the most pressure acts of any player on the ground um, and is really slotting into that pressure forward role where, you know, he'll, he'll potentially be taking over from 
Bruce full time in in that small forward role together with Dylan Moore, and he was fantastic as well. So I just feel there was enough there to maybe finish off some of the, some of the stuff that came out of the game with positives rather than the negatives. I agree too. And just for the record, I was tasked with saying the bad stuff. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm just sticking the boot in. It's like when you're at school and you learn debating. We uh, you know, sometimes get to take some very uncomfortable positions. We had to learn the art of debating. And I'm, I'm just putting it out there that uh, that's why I threw Brad the good the other day. Just to, to give him a life experience he's never done before. Just to, to, to see the good in and, and the glass half full. It's very... Just a couple, just another one from uh, my end. I'd love to get comments, Ash in particular, with the, an umpiring. I feel this season's been as bad as it's ever been. In the first half, I believe, I often don't blame the umpires, but I thought Hawthorne copped a terrible run from uh, the umpires. Do you boys feel as if there's a crisis at the moment? Uh, I know there's a lot of talk of it in the news and it seems to be you know, spoken about quite often, but I just feel that week in, week out, we went last week, there was, was it 65 free kicks paid in the Hawthorne and Gold Coast game? This week, in those type of conditions, I think there was half as many. But just, I feel as if we copped some absolute shockers in the first half that cost us a few goals. Um, and obviously, in a game that we lose by five points in the end, you can't really say it was the difference. But I just, Ash, I'm sure we're, we're going to touch on that was the first game of footy I've been to in a while. And I can see why people aren't going to games anymore because I believe that's one of the key uh, reasons why. Well, Neither the Ginnivan free kicks in the first quarter were free kicks. The first one was uh, was a, a soft, was wasn't really a free kick. You have to see it paid. The second one was an absolute shocker. It should never have been paid. And I think uh, uh, Sicily gave away fifty metres to descent with the blessing of the co- with the coach. I suspect um, I would give the upper an earful over that one. To be fair, later on Ginnivan got a. There were a couple of issues. There was one that uh, CJ got flush around the neck and the umpires called play on. That should have been a should have been a free kick. But uh, yeah, the wasn't great. I mean, six to nothing early on when it didn't help. Collingwood had the ascendancy. And, yeah, we talked about Collingwood. You talked about the worst uh, first quarter football you've seen in 20 years, Brad, because it's the first game you've been to for 20 years. I've I think watched that... every game that I haven't been to <laughs> doesn't mean I haven't watched. No, no, I'm just staring. But the Sydney umpire didn't help in, the, in that first twenty minutes, and that's one reason Hawthorne didn't play well because they they couldn't buy a free kick. And I think with that, I mean, you just want them to be consistent, either consistently good or consistently bad, as long as the decisions that they're paying are consistent. And so, I actually felt on the weekend it was back to some of the Clarkson games where, especially in the second half, like our tackling was fantastic. And it's like you cannot get paid holding the ball. There's no incorrect disposal, holding the ball rule that is rewarding good tackling. And for me, Brad, that's probably more frustrating than just some of the ridiculous free kicks because, as Ash said, you know, it it swings and roundabouts and you get one the other way later in the game. But to not reward a good tackle, that that kills me every single time. My, my thought on the umpiring is that there is a bit of a crisis with umpiring. They've had a lot of injuries this year. Um, and a lot of experienced umpires haven't been umpiring. So you've got a big gap between the... You know, you're lucky to have one experienced umpire to chuck into... Every, you've got to find nine games times three. So you've got 27 umpires. They're lucky to have 10 of the experienced umpires out there any, any week. So you've often got one experienced, two inexperienced umpires uh, taking charge of every game. For example, Matthew Nichols. He's umpiring his first game for the season. He's been out injured for half the season. He's actually doing the Hawthorne game on Sunday, on, on Saturday. He, um, there's just good umpires haven't been out there. So you're going to get different interpretations. And the descent rule has been a perfect example of that. A Matt Stevick or a Simon Meredith is going to let things go in the heat of battle that a young up-and-coming umpire is not. And that's but, part of the problem, the descent rule. On that one, I think... You know, you can blame umpires and, and there's probably good umpires and bad umpires, but you've got a GM of footy that just wants to sort of do it his own way and has created a lot of indecision and a lot of rules where you just honestly shake your head week to week. The whole dissent thing is such a farce. It's just actually embarrassing. Um, and, and, and next level, 
Daz. Like, that was embarrassing to begin with. But next level, if there was genuinely a directive to the fraternity for there to be a relaxation of the policy, but not to tell players and fans, like, if that is a concerted, if that is a premeditated thing, like, that is disgusting, let alone the rule in the first place, right? Because it creates conflict in the crowd as well. You know, if if people don't know what's going on, where the rules are at, you know, people, you know, supporters deserve to know what's, what the actual rule is. We care about the game. I think it's just uh, a level of kind of, um, I don't know, just, just a, a lack of care of what supporters actually, how they feel about these decisions that are being made about a game that we all love and are so invested in um, at a top level and just, with no consultation or no communication. I think it's certainly, just certainly, certainly um, we'll move on from this. Cer- certainly the uh, failure to communicate, AFL HQ, they normally nail their comms, but certainly the failure to communicate that uh, they've relaxed the dissent rule a bit given how contentious it's been all year and for Sam Lansbury to break the story in the Herald Sun rather than from an AFL, you know, AFL.com is, is, uh, is, you know, that's an indictment on all the people making decisions. It's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. Um, anyway, um, let's move on. Fan experience, Brad, and I'm uh, stirring you a bit. It was, it was your first game for a few years. What was it like you back in the footy? Had, and how long you took a young boy? How long did you last? Uh, yeah, I took my middle son, my six-year-old son, uh, Corey. He's yeah, just turned six. He's been asking me for weeks and weeks, and I've got two other little E's as well, one older one and another little E's, so... Weekends are usually quite tough. I often watch the game, not always all the way through. I'll always watch it back afterwards when I can and sit down. But uh, the train ride in, we left at about 12.30. So we got to the grounds by about 1 o'clock, which was a mistake because every two minutes was, when's it starting, when's it starting, when's it starting? (laughs) And then it finally started and by quarter time, it was quite tired. So we lasted till about halfway through the third quarter. And then I sort of made him walk quite slowly. So we were able to, you know, get out, go down to level one. Our seats were level four, uh, M16 in the southern stand. So we had really good seats, but, you know, he wanted to get a bit closer to the action. So, yeah, we we lasted to about just before three-quarter time. So, unfortunately, I missed the last quarter, but I was able to watch it back. Um, but, yeah, it was good to be there. It was only, I think, about 39,000. I might be wrong. 43. Yeah, it was a 40,000. So that's, you know, probably because of the weather, you know, Collingwood's been playing really well. I thought there'd be over 50,000, but that's another big problem that I'm sure we'll touch on in the coming weeks is the crowds at the footy this year have been quite disappointing. So it was still uh, 35,000 more than the Melbourne game. Yeah, well, Korea, well Melbourne's a, is a big worry. I know we'll touch on them as well. But overall, I saw some figures today. I think, Ash, you might notice the crowds are the lowest they've been since 96. I think yeah. it is, since 1996, which... That's a huge worry for the AFL because that's, you know, nearly 30 years ago. That's in, you know, 30 years ago. And well, I was talking to a mate of mine and he's just one one person, but he's he's got so used to watching the footy at home on TV the last couple of years. He's yeah, become course, comfortable and accustomed to it. And he said, I just quite, you know, I've become used to watching it on the couch. And this is a Richmond supporter. He's had a fair, you know, he's a fair reason to go to the footy. He's got zero interest in going to the game tomorrow night. He's sitting, sitting watching on the couch where he wouldn't have missed a game. Yeah, in the previous few years before COVID. So that's what the AFL has to deal with. And it's expensive as well. Like, I went, you know, we got some, I'd, obviously it hadn't been in a while, you know, you get like some hot, a chips and a drink or whatever. It's like $15 or something. Oh. 15, rule, rule number one, eat lunch before you go to the football. It's become my new rule. Don't, don't, uh, unless, unless I'm getting free food. I, mean, I thought your new rule is get free lunch at the footy. <laughs> well, that, well, that's, that's enough <laughs> of that. Let's, let's talk about me. So I was the guest of the uh, Melbourne Cricket Club for the Hawthorne Collingwood game. Uh, don't know why, but it just slopped in my e- email that I was the guest of the committee. And I have to say, having sat in the MCC committee room, which includes the world-famous urinal where you can actually have a slash while watching the game, um, that is probably – it's the best <laughs> football experience I've ever had. So you walk in there. The only downside is you absolutely have to wear collar and tie. That rule does not change. But you walk in there. They smother you with food. You sit down for a uh, a meal. You know, it, it was a guy, Veal Osso Buko, that was very nice. An incredibly wide 
array of drinks available, spirits or wine or beer. They give you blankets to sit outside if it's cold. So, you know, I didn't partake in that, but a lot of people sat outside and had a, a blanket uh, while they were there. You've got there's a lot of uh, alcohol at halftime. I, I came in at halftime. They were serving, in addition to the party pies and the scones and the uh, sandwiches, they were serving, uh, what do you think of this, uh, Daz? They were serving port and they were serving Baileys. And the barman looked at me sideways and I asked for a Coke. So I think they used oh to. Think God. Be, I know. It would be like I'd come from another planet when I requested just a basic soft drink. But I've got to say, and without want to sound the big note, but it was a bit of an experience for the third quarter. I spent the third quarter of the football, where for some reason didn't get outdoors for the third quarter, watched the third quarter come back from behind glass. But watching Hawthorne come back uh, with Damien Fleming, Ross Stevenson, Adrian Anderson, um, and Matthew Elliott, and by the way, I know Danny's listening. Danny, you, should, you want to know that uh, the Hawks have twice interviewed uh, Matthew Elliott's son, who's 204 centimetres. So um, there's a bit of uh, recruiting news for him. The Hawks might be well and truly into him. Um, that was a bit of experience. And Ross Stevenson, let me tell you, the uh, three, I mean, he's a passionate Hawk, the 3W radio host. He was carrying on like a pork chop. He absolutely was getting stuck in the umpires from behind glass and uh, gets quite outraged. But it was a a fantastic experience uh, to watch the football. I have to say, if anyone is very fortunate enough, if the invitation ever comes your way, or someone says come and join them in the MCC committee room, whatever you're doing, you have to take it up. I'm not sure it'll ever happen again, but uh, for me, that it was a once in a lifetime experience. They really do pamper you and they spoil you. A lot of Haw- because it was a Hawthorne home game. There was a lot of Hawthorne rooms. So Max Bailey was there, and Matt Spanger was there, Russell Green was there. Um, Brad Sewell was there. Interesting. I had a quick chat to Russell Green. and telling me the story. It's sort of been reported about how Shane uh, about um, Sam Mitchell rang him up and asked whether um, he'd be happy for CJ to wear the number nine, given that it was the twenty that CJ initially wore twenty nine because his relationship with the Green family. And Russell felt he couldn't say no to Sam Mitchell when you get the phone call, but I think he's a bit regretful now. I think he's he. Uh, I think if he had his druthers, he probably would have said, you know, I really like CJ to keep the 29 and make that his own. So that, I got that impression from talking to Russell that he has a slight regret about um, agreeing to let CJ wear the number nine, while understanding that the nine is absolutely revered. You know, it's one of the three or four most famous jumpers at the club. So that was a, a, a great day. A shame about the result, but um, you know, most of the people, yeah, such a good time watching the footy under those circumstances. The result, I know most Hawthorne supporters are saying the result was a bit secondary this week and we're happy to have a good result without the win. Brad accepted. Um, when you watch a game of footy like that, the result really is secondary. So that was my day. I just thought it'd be worth, worth sharing. I can't imagine it'll ever happen again. But as I said, if you do get the chance, grab it with both hands. Let's talk some votes. Mara, kicking off with you, three, two, one for the Collingwood game as we wrap it up. Um, actually, can you come back to me? Yes. I'll come back to you. Uh, D- uh, Danny, hello. You're hello, back. gentlemen. How are we? Very well. Tell us, yeah, give us your three, two, one. Straight into it. Uh, Mitchie Lewis, uh, three votes. I thought he was clearly the best forward on the ground. Um, John Newcomb, two votes. I think he just picked... Uh, in the Battle of the uh, Rising Star Noms. And I gave one to Dimmer Hardwick. I thought his defensive effort was phenomenal and I thought he was our best player late when they were really pumping balls into our defensive 50s. So. What did you think of my gossip about the boy, the, uh, Matthew Elliott's son? Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, snippets about, I think, is it Sam Elliott or is that the older brother who plays cricket? Um, he's got two two kids, uh, two sons that are elite uh, sportsmen, Matthew Elliott. So um, his oldest one is an opening bowler who's played a couple of games for Victoria. And then this one coming through, like you said, Paul Ruckman. So um, interesting that they've had a couple of conversations with him already because uh, that normally ramps up uh, later on in the year. So that's a, that's an interesting little tidbit, Ash. I'll keep an eye on it. Dad's votes? Oh, same as Prinzi. So three to Mitch Lewis, two to Jai. And one to Blake Hardwick with special mention to Connor Nash, who I thought um, just probably had one of his best games for the club. Brad, you're about to leave us your votes? Exactly the same as uh, Daz. Mitchie Lewis, biggest with Jai, the biggest positive of our season today. Brilliant forwards game in those conditions. 
two to Jai, who obviously was huge, especially in the second half. Blake Hardwick's best game, and same as Daz, kind of Nash, I thought, with Jai, really pushed us in the second half and nearly got us over the line. And we see. Uh, very close, except I've switched my three and two. So I go three to Jai Newcomb. I thought he absolutely was the reason we got back into the game, uh, out of the guts in the second half. Two to Lewis, absolutely immense. And one to Dimmer Hardwick. And if I may, Ash, before getting your votes, just what, what you talked about in terms of the unfortunate, like the, the fact that we lost the game, the reality is that we are going to finish bottom six. I think that seems to be fairly clear. So whilst emotionally, when you are watching us, you want us to win, emotionally you want to finish on top, the reality is it doesn't actually matter if you finish 16th or 15th. And we're in the market for a top-end draft pick, right? So as long as we finish above north, uh, we'll clearly finish above west coast. Finishing Essendon would be a bonus. But the reality is that week to week, actually, you know, if that result doesn't go our way, it's not the end of the world. Got to lose to bad teams, though. It also sets a bad habit. So they would like to win. They could probably win eight for the season and still get... And, and, finish bottom six. So I think, you know, there, there will be a few more wins to come over the course of the season. That puts a wrap on the Collingwood game and we shall not speak of Collingwood again until next year, perhaps. Injury list has come out and uh, Jack Gunston, the main casualty, is uh, rolled that ankle again. A different ankle, in- ankle injury, they assure us. I'm not entirely convinced. However, they say he should be back after the bye. Of course, Hawthorne being Hawthorne, uh, not telling the entire truth. And our training spy, uh, AK, I'm not sure he's still with us, but uh, a bit of mail that CJ, and today being, of course, Wednesday, the main training session that CJ and Lewis weren't doing much of anything, which is a worry. CJ mainly running. Lewis didn't appear to be doing anything. So if that is a guide, um, there may be a couple of minor shocks at uh, when the team is picked tomorrow night. Daz. Daz. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was I tuned out for a second there, Ash. <laughs> What's the rugby league score? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely um, monitoring the origin. <laughs> it's more to do with my kids not going to bed. Okay, well, you, you deal with them <laughs> as we have to. Um, and the VFL, uh, the Box Hill Hawks had a very, very comfortable win over North Melbourne. I guess, as they should have. And uh, apparently North were absolutely atrocious, uh, just as atrocious at VFL level as they are at AFL level. Uh, Finn McGinnis had 35 touches. James Warple had 30. They were the standout players. McGinnis uh, is maybe becoming one of those players who's just too good for the VFL. So the job for the uh, for Sam Mitchell will be to make sure there's a role for him at AFL level because he's, he's tearing it up at the VFL. Uh, Warple... Also played well. Uh, from what I reported, he didn't eliminate some of all the flaws that are uh, being his game at AFL level, but certainly uh, was pretty busy as well. Uh, we know that Ned Long's got a hamstring injury. He hasn't been playing in the VFL for a couple of weeks. Nor will Shannon Mitchell, who apparently has got uh, injuries to upper and lower body. So my prediction that we'll see Shannon Mitchell this year at AFL level, I'm starting to lose a bit of confidence in that. Then again, I also picked the Western Bulldogs to win the Premiership, and that ain't happening either. So uh, don't pay any attention to me. I am now handballing the next part of the podcast over to uh, Andrew Weiss, who's done a power of work to give us a special guest this evening. So, Weissy, over to you. Thanks, Ash. Now, hopefully I'm able to pronounce uh, Ketch's name right, but we've got a Ketch McCool-Chult in the space this evening. Uh, good evening, Akech. Hi, Ash. Um, Ash, and what's your name? Sorry, Andrew? Andrew, yeah. Hi, Andrew. Hi, guys. Hi, Darren. Hi, Darren. Well. Now, this is, you know, this is actually um, a, an official welcome into the space. You've actually been tuning in regular to the space for 
you know, four or five weeks now. So you're part of the Hawks Insiders family. Um, so welcome. How have things settled for you since moving across to the Hawks from Richmond? Um, yeah, it's been really exciting. I've actually been really loving all um, all you guys' insights. Um, I've been loving coming in um, on Wednesdays and um, other nights and just kind of listening, um, getting to know uh, some of the, 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 the team as well. Um, and yeah, just um, the vibe that I'm getting, even being at the club, I just actually got back from the club now. It's, it's just a family, um, family, family club. Um, and everyone's just super nice and everyone's just like super welcoming. So I felt very welcomed. Um, I know Emma is a massive, um, she's a diehard. Um, she's the number one ticket holder at the club. Uh, she loves her Hawks and she, I've been a big fan of Emma for a very long time. So when she found out that I was signed with Hawthorne, she was one of the people that really celebrated that. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's just really exciting um, to be um, at the Hawks. And, yeah, I cannot wait to get started. So you were drafted to Fremantle and have been at Richmond. Tell us more about some of the differences. Does it, does it feel different in terms of the excitement that is building with Hawthorne starting in the competition and, and being at Hawthorne from day dot? Um, I think so. I think every club approaches it different. Um, and obviously, um, I, I went I went today and it was the first time I actually saw some of the boys. Um, I saw CJ who let me up in the lift. Um, and I've known CJ for a very long time. He's like a little brother to me. Uh, so yeah, to, to be at Hawthorne um, together now is going to be really special. And then I saw a couple of the other boys and then I actually saw Sam, Sam Mitchell and it was kind of a little girl moment where I kind of just froze because I was like, wow, this guy has been my favourite for a very long time. Um, and he, he goes, come to my office anytime you're at the club. Um, and, you know, just that welcoming uh, from, you know, the senior coach of the men's team is, is quite awesome. And just kind of make, it makes you feel at home. Um, and then you're walking through the corridor and you're going to the to the main office and you go downstairs and everyone is saying hi and everyone just seems to know who the women's um, players are, which is which puts you at ease a little bit that, wow, you, you actually matter in a space like this. Um, and that if somebody like Sam Mitchell can say hi to you and welcome you to his office um, at any time, you know, you the, the club is doing something really great. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. And I know a lot of the girls are really excited. It was almost like a lot. It was the first time for a lot of us together today. So and it just felt like we've we've been at that club for a very long time. It was really weird. Um, but, yeah, it was it was unreal. I was almost like a pinch yourself moment, really. Do you do you get the opportunity to stay take a step back? And obviously, you mentioned CJ, and you're born in South Sudan. So, like, do you see yourself as a leader and a pioneer in the Sudanese community? Because obviously, plenty of people will be looking up to you and everything that you've been able to achieve so far. Um. Yeah, I think that's always the word that floats around. Um. And. You know, it's always been the boys that have been given opportunities to play sports, not just AFL. Uh, so for me, as um, um, you know, being the first African female to play in the in the AFL, um, and then being the first South Sudanese um, female is 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 massive. And I did I didn't think that I was gonna be able to achieve that. Um, you know, I played at Fremantle and then played at Richmond, um, played in the VFLW with Carlton, and then now at Hawthorne. And you know, these are some. Some of some of the really big clubs um, in this country that a lot of a lot of people wish to play, a lot of people want to be a, be a part of, and so to be a part of those organisations and you know have the community now you know following Hawthorne um, because of myself and CJ um, is, is really massive, and and I think for us the reason we do it is that so that we can be that positive um, reinforcement and positive um, because you know there's a lot of negative stereotypes everywhere in the media about the South Sudanese community, but. Uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're just people trying to really just figure it out. Um, and a lot of us have just found our feet in football and, and we have all these great coaches uh, like Beck and others who are really just trying to give us the opportunities and, um, you know, make the game accessible and inclusive for all of us. So, um, yeah, it's it's really exciting and it's good that, you know, young women are now picking up the games and people are seeing my, what I do as uh, important. Uh, I remember like five years ago, 
um, a lot of people didn't really take me serious because I was a woman um, playing the game. Uh, but because I persisted and I, and I stuck with it, um, a lot of them now give me the same respect they give the boys. And in conversation, I'm always in conversation uh, with the boys as well, which is quite which is quite big. And I think that's what that's what I've always been fighting for to make sure that my what I do is respected and that people understand that what I'm doing is equally important the same way as what the boys are doing. Um, so yeah, I think that's what makes it really special. Yeah, and clearly we're moving to a place where the the playing field's being leveled in that in that regards. And obviously, all the work that you've done has been incredible today. Talk us through the the AFLW Futures program and and the work you've been doing to um, yeah continue to de- develop the next generation of young AFLW footballers. Um, yeah, so the AFL Futures program is a really important program. So I've actually been working in the AFL space as a coordinator for a very long time. So I worked at AFL Victoria, I worked at the WA Footy Commission, um, and then I worked at the AFL um, as a multicultural development officer. So my role there was to basically um, run the All Nations program. So a lot of the young girls that came through the All Nations program, um, some of them made it into the Futures program, some of them made it into the Middle East program, um, and then there was an Indigenous program um, called the Kickstart program, which a lot of those girls also made the the Futures and the and the the Woomera's program. So and you know just just coming in this time not as a program coordinator obviously, but as a coach uh, when I was. When I was asked to be a coach, I was a bit nervous because I've never really uh, wanted to be a coach. I've always just loved being a mentor and being a, being a coordinator of a program. Running those programs have always had a special place. So this time when they asked me to be an assistant coach, I was like, okay, cool, let's let's do it. Let me let me you know get out of my comfort zone a little bit and, and go down and do it. And um, yeah, it was special. Um, you know, obviously Perkle was there. She was coaching uh, the futures girls. And then I was assistant coach of the um, the, the medalist program. And I think it's an important program because it's giving young multicultural girls um, and young Indigenous girls an opportunity to be seen. And, you know, these are those young girls that, uh, for whatever reasons, they're not playing NAB League. So those the, the future program captures them and then gives them an opportunity to play in front of selectors. So there was a lot of AFLW recruiters on the weekend that came to watch the Futures game and then they also stayed um, to watch um, the Medleys and the Woomera's program. And, you know, knowing that those girls are going to have opportunities now where recruiters know them and so by the time they turn 18, um, they'll be given the opportunity to get drafted um, eventually um, later in their career. So, yeah, it's exciting and a lot of them are come from very complex backgrounds. You know, we had girls from India, we had girls from South Sudan, we had girls from... Iran, we have girls, we just have girls from everywhere and knowing that these young girls are going to be given an opportunity to play footy at the highest level um, is always really exciting and it, it was just really fun, um, it was just a really fun program to be a part of and they, they made me feel like a young kid again, I went and made TikToks with them um, and you know I'm a young kid at heart so it was awesome to be a part of the program as an assistant coach um, and I took the forwards um, and we were down by 30 points at half time. Um, and then at, at the second half, I just told them, girls, let's bring a bit of energy. Uh, let's defend. Um, let's let's make sure that we put in some pressure. And we did. And obviously kicked three goals in the last term and ended up winning the game. So, yeah, um, it was quite special knowing that, wow, I can be that sort of an influence on a group of people. Um, that was pretty That was pretty awesome. Uh, Ket, so you're learning the ropes as a coach. You're going to play under one of the great coaches. You know, she's considered a superstar coach. AFLW already and Beck Goddard. What was it like the first time you met her? What was her pitch to uh, come to Hawthorne? And what sort of coach do you think she'll be for a team that's going to be you know, a lot of new faces and uh, is going to have to bond and get to know each other very quickly? Oh, yeah. Uh, Beck is, I've, I've known about Beck for a very long time. Um, actually, in year one, she wanted me to go to Adelaide. Um, and I was young at the time and I was like, no, I, I don't really want to go to Adelaide. Um, so uh, I missed that boat. Um, and then for her to come back um, in year seven of the competition and wants me to be a part of her team uh, was quite special. And I think where, I'm, where I was 
um in uh about six weeks ago i was actually taking a year off so I, um during my exit meeting i told the club uh, richmond that i was going to take the year off um and it was going to take a special somebody to take me out of that mind frame my mind was set so they basically put me in the an inactive list um and basically delisted me uh, so yeah, so they the Hawks actually called the club and said, "Hey, we we want to inquire about a catch." Um, and Richmond were like, "Actually, she's she's taken a year off." Um, and Becky was like, "Oh, great, let me call her." So, uh, she sent me a really funny text message, which I absolutely lulled at. Um, and then I was like, "Yeah, no problem, give me a call." Um, and then she she called me, and so it was Hawthorne or The Bachelor. So I actually. Um, <laughs> funny enough, I went and did auditions to get on The Bachelor. Wow! Um, and uh, when <laughs> Becky called, it was the same the same day that I got in uh, to be on season ten of The Bachelor. Um, and obviously, I chose the Hawks. <laughs> um, and it was just her pitch. I think it was just um, being valued um, is really, really important to me. Um, and it was what she really spoke about, and you know. Um, just, just how much she really believes in me. Um, she's been believing in me since year one, um, and for her to come back in year year seven and you know and and pitch this this funny, uh, but so professional and hilarious pitch, I was like, wow, I, I I simply can't turn this down. So I went back. I spoke to my manager, um, and then my manager was like, awesome, let's 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 do it. So we eventually. I had to call the the bachelor people and I said, look, I'm sorry, I can't come on the show. Um, I've decided I'm going to play footy. Um, and then I got another job on TV as well, uh, working as a production assistant at Jam TV. So I was like, okay, I've got all this stuff happening. I'm going to have to say no to something. Um, and obviously um, the bachelor, uh, I, I said no to it just because, um, yeah, I, the Hawthorne opportunity was too good to turn down. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much how it started. Um, and, and, yeah, I think she's, she's, she's well-respected and she knows her stuff. She's so great at, um, you know, managing people. She's really great at making people feel really comfortable. And I had a sit down with her and some of the other coaches um, a couple of weeks back and, um, it was the first time I actually met Beck Goddard. Like I've seen her at the W Awards, and um, but it was the first time I actually met met her. And it was it was like it was I was like wow, I feel like I've known this woman for for a very long time. And I think you know for any coach and any female coach out there, it's really important for 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 you to really understand because as women we come with so many different personalities and so many needs, so many needs that you know somebody like Beck really understands it. Um, and I think that's why she's going to be really, really great for us um, and for our club. And you can see with what she's building with Sam and, you know, her being involved in men, men's program is, it's you know, it's going to bridge that that gap, which a lot of clubs struggle with and really bring the two programs together. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be really a really fun year. And she, she's really funny and really fun. So I think it's going to it's going to work really well for me because I'm, I'm very funny and and I love having fun. So it's going to be great. Ketch, I've loved seeing all the social content roll out and there seems to be so much good camaraderie in the team. Um, I'm curious, have you have you got dibs on the number 34 jumper? It's obviously a pretty significant number for you. <laughs> oh, man, I was really nervous about that. So I spoke to um, Dom, who currently wears the number 34 in the VFLW, and I said, look, sis, I, we're going to have to we're gonna have to do something about this because <laughs> I'm going to really need you to give me the... Um, the blessing to have the number 34 she goes oh no biggie and I said I'll pay you <laughs> uh, so I think a coffee um, and a $20 um, you know pay uh, for Dom will, will do it um, but yeah now she was like look it's important to you you can have the number 34 um, and yeah it's, it's 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 a number that's been really lucky for me um, since I started wearing it um, and you know the fact that I get to run out with all my 34 siblings um, is really important to me and I'm sure the girls will understand my reasons to why I want to make sure I keep the number 34. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to run out in number 34 uh, again for another year um, and continue to represent my, my family on the football field. Any potential Hawks in that 34? Pardon? Any potential Hawks among the 34? Any of your siblings play as well? Oh, my old, my little brother used to, um, but no, it, they just follow me everywhere. So you have 34 new um, Hawks fans <laughs> that are my immediate siblings. So yeah, they just follow me everywhere I go. So and I think that's every family. Um, as much as 
you, you know, for me, I grew up in Perth um, and I grew up um, a, a massive West Coast fan. Um, and then my second team was actually Hawthorne and I, I loved Buddy and Sean um, and, and like Cyril and like um, Sam Mitchell. And I just was such a, I was just I was always glued to my TV, just watching these these guys go out there and just, you know, do what they do so well. Um, so, yeah, just really fitting that I ended up at Hawthorne, um, which is quite exciting. Now, catch. we won't keep you much longer. Really appreciate your time. Um, left this towards the end because we wanted to keep people actually uh, interested in you. You're a massive Arsenal supporter. Um, tell, <laughs> us, tell us about where that's come from and, and your connection to Arsenal because it's clear that you're very passionate about the Gunners. <laughs> oh, I am obsessed. I'm obsessed about the Gunners. Um, all my friends know. Um, I stay up, watch. We haven't made the Champions League in a long time. But when we were in the Champions League, I'll stay up and I'll watch the games. And um, and it's because I was a soccer player before switching over to footy. Um, I'm still a very soccer, a very good soccer player. Um, and my brothers were massive Arsenal fans uh, when we were growing up in the in the Kenyan refugee camp that we're from. And it was really funny because my older brother was so good. They used to call him Thierry Henry. And I just was like, who's this guy? They keep calling. Like, my brother's name is Chep. And so I went and did a bit of research and I started watching the Premier League and I just fell in love with the number 14. And this man was just incredible. And I think that's how I just really got obsessed with sports um, because of how much... Like how much he was celebrated and how good this man was. And we obviously had so many good, talented players at, at that club, but the number 14 just really uh, was my guy. And, um, yeah, it was really just because of my brothers. Um, and then in 2019, I was like, yep, I've got enough money. I've saved up. I'm going to go to London. I'm going to go to the Emirates Stadium. It's not Highbury, but it's Emirates Stadium. I'm going to go watch the Gunners. Um, and I remember being at the stadium. They got the worst um the reception so I had to like call my my brothers after the game and I was like I'm at the Arsenal game um and I was like just sending them all these videos and my brothers were so excited because they were like wow we introduced our younger sister to the Arsenal football club and here she is at the Emirates and it was so cool because I was like I was representing my siblings that day because of the love that we have um for 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 this club but I think it's just um, just everyone just loves soccer where we come from and um, the fact that now a lot of people are now starting to really support and barrack and love football as in AFL is, is equally important as well um, but yeah that's where my love for Arsenal comes from for sure and j- just one more before we um, wrap it up and again very very grateful to have you on <laughs> hopefully it feels like we've barely scratched the surface so hopefully uh you'll come on again and and have some more chats with us um tell us about this is your chance to give a plug to everyone on here safari boutique australia and your business that you run uh for, with with the boutique oh thanks that's that's a first <laughs> but i appreciate it yeah, no, nah, Safari Boutique is a little passion project. I've always been an entrepreneur, but I just wasn't sure what what stuff um, to, to go for, what niche I should get into. I've always loved beauty. I've always loved hair and all kind of stuff. So um, one day I just went out and I, and I started. I got I got Because, you know, coming from Africa and coming to Australia, you also want to be able to have a part of your identity and a part of your culture as well. So with Safari Boutique, I was like, okay, cool, I... I'm all about preaching Africa and telling people to, you know, reconnect back to their cultures. But I also want people to actually ask the questions, you know, what are these, what does these cushions mean? What did this mean? What does that mean? So I went out, I did a bit of research. I bought some cushion covers. I put them in my house and I showed some of my friends and they were like, whoa, they're so beautiful. Can, can we have some? Can we have some? And I was like, hang on a minute. Here's a business opportunity. Um, so, yeah, so I basically started off with a little passion of just cushions and accessories. Um, and it's gone now to where I'm selling cushions, cushion covers, I'm selling canvas prints, um, I'm selling um, accessories. Um, and it doesn't really have to be you being from Africa. It's really just if you're somebody who loves color and you really just want to add a bit of, um, you know, vibe, a little bit of color, a little bit of um, something different to your decorations at home. Um, Safari Boutique is the place to go. So 
um, there's always there's something for everyone, and we got some really cool range. We got a custom range coming up um, in the next couple of months, where you can actually start sending in your pictures. Um, and we'll because I know how expensive it is for people to go and get these canvas prints uh, made. Uh, so with our custom prints, it's going to give people an opportunity where you can send in your custom pictures, if it's a picture of you and your family or whatever it is that you want. I uh, will print it for you and we'll get it to you, so you can actually go and have it in your living room or in your game room, whatever that you want um, this print to go. Um, and that's, yeah, that's where um, this passion comes from. So it's grown, um, it's growing, um, it's small, uh, but they said, you know, you got to start somewhere. And I think that's what I've done really well, just starting it, making mistakes and learning. Um, and that's actually inspired me to go to uni. So now I'm studying a Bachelor of Business because I was like, okay, you're, you're really good at this. Um, actually, maybe you should study for it and, and see where it takes you. So, um, yeah, it's been a great three months um, running the, the, the boutique. Um, and, yeah, I'm, just, I'm always looking for different ways to expand and always looking at different ways that I can, you know, um, inspire other people as well to get to know about their own cultures and about their own identity. So, yeah, that's what Safari Boutique is. So I catch you... You run a boutique. You work in, as a production assistant for Jam TV. You play football. Um, you've got a fair bit going on. Do you ever sleep? Uh, yes, I love sleeping. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I people ask me this all the time. I I love I love my sleep. Um, but look, we got, as as female athlete, we don't get get a, a, as much as people say. We just got a pay rise. You know, for, for a lot of us, you know, our top two athletes are getting paid maybe $71,000 a year. And, our you know, our, our tier four players are getting 37000 a year. So when you look at that, you're like, well, I can't make a living with that. So you, you almost have to work and you have to do all these different things. And I've always said, you know, take all the opportunities that you can. I'm lucky where I'm sponsored by Cadbury and Telstra. They're my, my two major uh, sponsors. And I'm really grateful for those those guys because they believe in in what I'm doing, um, and they believe in me, and they're on my team. Um, so yeah, the, having those guys it kind of uh, helps a little bit where I can financially take a bit of a step back and just worry about other things. But at the same time, I've always been about you know utilizing the 24 hours that I have in the day because I'm not going to be young forever. So I might as well do them all now because uh, then by the time I retire, I know, wow, I, I've, put, I've, I've tried my very best, you know, so, yeah. Well, it's been an absolute privilege for us to have you on the spaces. We've taken a vote on our WhatsApp group. You're now a semi-permanent member of our, of our team here at Auckland Siders, and we would love to have you back as a semi-regular correspondent in the lead-up to the season and once it starts, if that's okay with you in the club. But it's been a joy for us to have you on. Welcome to Hawthorne. Thanks for everything you've told us tonight and good luck for pre-season as it gets serious. Nah, thank you so much. Thank you, Ash, and thank you, Andrew, and everyone for um, having me. And, yeah, it's just I'm, – I'm so excited. It's getting real tonight. Tonight was our testing night. Tomorrow we got dinner. Um, and then on Monday, kickstart. So, um, yeah, we're very, very excited. And, um, yeah, thank you for welcoming us um, as part of the Hawks. And we cannot wait to see you guys at the games and, and everywhere. But, yeah, please, well, um, yeah, just let me know anytime you guys want me on here. I'll be more than happy to come and contribute. Well, we'll definitely have you back. Good luck for, for pre-season. And uh, we'll definitely take you up on coming to see you at the club and the footy once the season starts. That was a catch. And she is a star. And uh, we she's going to be a big part of what Hawthorne do in AFLW this season. Um, still a little bit to get through, so stick with us. I want to very briefly talk about Hawthorne uh, Sam Mitchell flag today, that Hawthorne will have a new captain or new temporary captain, I guess, after the bye. Um, I want to D- – Danny, who should that be? Well, it's going to be a bit of letdown coming – following on after a catch, but um, we actually had this uh, bit of a conversation around this on Twitter today, and I, I mean – my thought would be that it would probably be um, Tom Mitchell, uh, just because we don't really have a leadership group this year, but um, in previous years he's been in the leadership group and he's been the vice-captain, so he's probably the most likely uh, person to take it. But um, there's a couple of names that were thrown up, and, I, and I'm kind of getting behind the, the Dimmer Hardwick for captain um, push that's happening. So I'd like to see, uh, yeah, I'd like to see Blake Hardwick get a, get a gig as as a temporary skipper for the back half of the year. Yeah, that was my thinking as well. I reckon he'd be a really good show 
to get for a couple of weeks, then people might actually know uh, outside Hawthorne who he, who, he, who he is. That's right. Question for you, Weesey, because you worry about these things. Um, Mitch Lewis is not yet signed. And there's talk that the offers will come before too long. A couple of clubs out there that definitely need uh, key forwards. Essen has been named. Collingwood's been named, just to name two. Are you worried yet? No, not worrying. Worried in the slightest. I mean, there were all sorts of rumblings over the last six months about Sicily as well, and and contract signings, and you know where we took Mitch Lewis, and where we've you know supported him and and got him to. I, I can't see any concern. There's been no murmurs of him not being happy at the club. You know, he's growing with his mates at the club, not worried in the slightest, but makes a very, very good story and another sign that everyone's cottoning on to just what a, what a star he's becoming. So not worried in the slightest. It has been a bit of a pattern, Hawthorne, of using the buy period to announce the re-signings. They did that once, they did 12 and 12 and 10 and 10. Over the years, I'm wondering of oh, the new comms team now at Hawthorne whether they might uh, stick to that and uh, announce a series of re-signings over the buy period to keep the interest going there. But uh, I think uh, I'm not overly concerned by it, but I would uh, I would imagine that Hawthorne people would supporters would just be a little bit more assured once he puts pen to paper because he does have the makings of a someone that they can build the forward line around for the next five years. He's some of his. He's uh, imposing on Sunday. The, the goal with the wet ball um, was a fantastic goal. He's coming of age before our very eyes, and I think his average goals per game is second or third in the competition at the moment. So he's a priority for Thorn to get signed. Pretty confident it will happen. Um, in terms of AFLW signings, we probably could touch up with a catch, but uh, Kayla Nashville comes along from North Melbourne, a very good player, and... Um, Hawthorne have been very busy. They now have seven of the 13 picks as, insofar as Victorians are concerned. So they are going to be very heavily involved in the first part of the draft. I'm not quite sure when the AFLW draft is, but they're going to have a cohort of seven Victorians uh, that hopefully will commit to the club. The, the big player traffic in AFLW is expected to stop now with the, all the teams settled down. Now the player movement will, will settle right down. So hopefully Hawthorne pick seven players that they can build a team around for the next two to three years. We'll have more AFLW news, obviously, as it comes to hand. Let's turn our attention to the weekend. Hawthorne goes to Fremantle for what is probably its toughest game for the rest of the season. It's going to be a pretty difficult ask, I think, for Hawthorne to come away with the points against arguably the best team in the competition at the moment. Um, Simon, in the absence of Brad, who had to go early tonight, uh, if CJ does play, then and Frost comes back from suspension, it's the first game all year that the much vaunted Hawthorne backline and of the ten or twelve halfback defenders and halfbacks have got on the team will all be available. How would you structure the team? Yes, Grimshaw possibly available as well. Is that right? Yes, Grimshaw um, and uh, and Frost. Can I quickly just point out how envious I am of Akech being able to go and watch Arsenal at the Emirates? Because I've only got to see Arsenal once when I was in London. Uh, They were actually playing in Stoke. And so I had to drive three hours to Stoke and watch the game in the snow. And if you've never been to Stoke, then keep it that way. Let's just say that. So one day I'll get to the Emirates. But if you can can do it on a cold, wet night in Stoke... But that's the thing. We absolutely couldn't. Like, we, we barely had a shot on target, and it was nil-nil, and it was just an awful experience all around. <laughs> anyway, um, to answer your question, Ash, oh, it's a brilliant question, and it's a dilemma that we talk about, we've talked about, but, you know, since the preseason now, when everyone's fit, what do you do? Um, and I, I guess you don't want to change too much, um, but Scrimshaw's got to play um, if he's available. And the the real problem, I think, now becomes the the key positions because that we were talking about before. I mean, Hardigan played so well. You don't necessarily want to drop him, but if you chuck Frost in there as well, um, you get a bit big because Fremantle Fremantle's tall forwards aren't aren't particularly deep. Um, it's really their small forwards that have been doing a lot of the damage. So 
<clears throat> it's a real fine balance, and it's a, it's uh, partly you got to really consider how they're going to line up um, and play a little bit horses for courses um, because you don't just you just want to pick your best and then have have a backline that's too tall. So the short answer is I don't know, um, which is terrible, isn't it? Um, Not much good the, to us if you don't know. <laughs> but if you want me to pick my ideal back six, given everyone's fit, um, un- it's it's really unfortunate. But I've got to, um, I've got to leave Hardigan out again, um, because as much as he's a good player and probably currently better than Denver, it's something that that Danny's been banging on about since the preseason. We we're not here for wins this year. Um, you've got to look at things a bit more holistically and say, well, you know, maybe we only got five or six wins, but we were ahead in the last quarter against Carlton, ahead in the last quarter against Collingwood, ahead in the last quarter against Sydney. We ran Melbourne to 10 points. Like these are not positive results, but they're definitely something to hang your hat on. Um, and the the data from World Sport is pretty convincing that close games are not necessarily won and lost by anything other than luck. Um, and you look at, was it Fremantle Adelaide this year? I mean, Fremantle beat Adelaide by um, Heath Chapman getting his knuckle to the ball a millimetre before the line instead of a millimetre after it. Like, two millimetres the other way. And we're talking about Fremantle as a team who's lost to Adelaide. So, with with respect to the Collingwood game and, and things like that, it would be better to have one and to know that you can win and to know that you've won in close situations before. But ultimately it doesn't actually necessarily translate into winning the next one. If you've won the one before that. So I, I don't mind that too much. That was a long way to say that I'm going to pick Denver Granger Barras over Kyle Hardigan. Um, and I'm picking frost with him. Um, Blake Hardwick in the pocket next to them. Scrimshaw, Sicily, CJ. I think that's the best back six that we have. Um, especially given that uh, Mitch is trying to play Will Day a bit more in the midfield. Um, so you push, you push Will Day to and uh, Bramble further up the ground, or you, you know, you yeah. always on the bench or something. Well, the thing about Will Day is that I think when he's good, his kicking inside fifty is what we need because um, his kicks can be really, really, really good. Um, he hasn't actually been kicking so well this year, but we know he can. And at the moment, um, one real issue that we have is the connection between the ball 60, 70 metres out and the forward line. And so if we can push him a bit further up, I think we can really utilise that and play to that strength. So, um, yeah, I don't have him in the back six, but, you know, <laughs> Scrimshaw gets red vested every four weeks, so then you can always throw him back or, um, you know, people get on the bench, so you need someone to rotate back through the back line. So I, he's definitely an option there. But I think he's more valuable to us forward of the back half. Uh, that is very well answered. Um, I'm not going to ask everybody for their tips unless there is someone out there who wants to mount the case why Hawthorne will win the game. Anybody? Negative. <laughs> I'm usually the op- optimist here, but I'm Sean Darcy just terrifies me, and he just did a real job against us last year and with Reeves not back to full fitness and still finding his way back, oh, I, I can't I can't pick the Hawks as much as I want to. If Brad was here, he would have picked the Hawks. <laughs> that would be a different Brad. He would have picked Frio by 150. <laughs> He'd pick uh, Carlton, actually. He'd pick Carlton. <laughs> well, that's why he loves Carlton. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a uh, – I'm expecting a, a good performance from Hawthorne. I hate to say another honourable loss, but I think they'll be – they're going to take a reasonably strong side in this. Certainly the, the, and I'm fascinated to see how this – if they all play, I'm a bit worried about the reports about CJ. I suspect he may not play. Um, but if they are all available, I'm intrigued to see how they set the back line up. It's a bit frustrating as well that it's a game that will be on TV uh, rather than a game uh, that we can all be at and see it for ourselves, which is a – Slight disappointment. We are going to finish up now. We've been going for a bit over time. Plenty to get through, but I do want to ask one question. This is a question for you, Darren. This has got your name written all over it. Essendon v Carlton on Friday night. Team we despise against a team we despise. One of the teams we despise is celebrating its 150th anniversary. Who would you rather see lose? Essendon, for sure. Um, Yeah, I I think... 
you know, like I, I've, I've got a, a lot of family members that go for Carlton, so I've got a bit of a sort of soft spot there and mates with an ex-premiership player as well from Carlton, so uh, who happened to play for Essendon as well. You could probably all work it out. Um, but Grant I Hawker. Think, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, think, I think, yeah, Essendon, just to, to, to make sure that they don't get in the finals this year, that would be, that would be sweet. Yeah, well, I've got to say, Ash, I was in a room tonight full of, there must have been 50 Carlton supporters, and they are so up and about. It's a really unfair question to be asking, because I think either way, knowing that one of them lose, there's a sense of happiness to it, right? Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I think the problem is, they're bloody stupid is they chose, handpicked Carlton to be the opponent for the 150th game, uh, birthday game. Carlton's a team that was handpicked by Collingwood for both its 100th and 125th birthday celebrations, and Carlton came to win. There's only one team Essendon should have chosen to play in this 150th anniversary. We all know who it is because we all know that team would have found a way to somehow lose the game, and that's the team that uh, we all barrack for. Essendon really should have chosen Hawthorne. I reckon they would have probably won the game too as they did the uh, 2017 first game back after they all finished their drug suspensions. Am I right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Absolutely chosen the wrong team. I think too, Essendon's, uh, Carlton's got a few more likeable players as well. Um, I'm just just not very fond of this Essendon outfit, to be honest. I don't have likeable supporters, Carlton. That has been the spaces for this week. Um, Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thanks again to a catcher. Thanks for listening. Uh, it was an absolutely superb guest, and we cannot wait to have her back on a, uh, again, a bit closer to the start of the AFLW season. As I said at the start of the uh, spaces, we're going to do our regular um, our, our regular review, which will come out after the game against Fremantle, our review podcast, our play ratings. Then we'll probably put the, uh, have a, like the team will have a bit of a bye week next week and freshen up ever so slightly. But we've got some exciting mid-season review content we're going to put up on the Substack. The guys haven't told you about what it is yet. You're about to get it in the next day or so. You're going to get a note from me about some stuff to do um, to keep you uh, involved and interested in what, what the Hawks are doing over the bye period. We've got a few features and a few mid-season review sort of articles that will come. Thank you, everyone, for your support of the uh, Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. Uh, Andrew, am I missing anything before we go? No, that's it. Thanks, everyone, again for jumping on board and to a catch. Uh, I think you're already all of our favourite player now. We look forward to following how you go and chatting over the next few weeks. All getting the number 34 AFLW jumper ready for the start of the season. That is for sure to wear the games. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we look forward to the Fremantle game. You never know what can happen. Uh, we can talk about all we like, but they have to play the game. We'll see what happens. We'll review it on Hawks Insiders. And uh, thank you, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks on the Spaces.